This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. really weird for me, but um, thank you for watching. I know there's probably not going to be a ton of people on, but I am excited to chat with you today. Kind of a special edition of the podcast on Instagram Live. So trying something new. Um, I was doing it on Facebook Live, and now I'm going to do some episodes on Instagram Live just to change it up. Um, And I'm excited today to talk with my guest about her adoption journey and um, her church journey and the way that she sees God moving in her life. I think I'd like to start really just showcasing the stories of women who are living out their God-given purpose, women who are leaning in and hearing what God has to say to them and um, and living it out in a way that's honoring to Him and in a way that um, it creates more of His witness in this world. And so my guest today is Kim. Um, she is going to pop on here in a second. She's never done Instagram live before. So, um, it may be just a second before she finds that button to click in. Um, but I'm excited to talk with her today. Um, Kim is an author and she, um, is a mom, a soon to be mom of two. And, um, I think I met her through hope writers, which is, um, <clears throat> the writing group that I'm a part of that has been a huge part of my writing journey in the past couple of years. And, um, while I'm waiting for her to jump on. Okay. So she says she can't find the button. Okay. So Kim, Hey everyone. <laughs> um, what I would do is I would, um, hop off out of the app and then come back into the app and click back into the video. And then it should pop up again. Uh, even if you like would restart your phone, that could also, um, that could also, um, potentially, but it should pop up when you come. So try it again. But while we are waiting, I will just give people a little bit of an update and I'll keep, oh, wait, I think I see you. There you are. Okay. You're coming on. We're waiting for Kim. Says she's coming. (laughs) Hey. Hey. (laughs) I was doing it on my computer. So apparently the computer is not um, live Instagram friendly. Oh, yeah. You know, I never even remember to tell people that because I I don't think about it, but I should. I should add that's my protocol. Like, by the way, when you're running Instagram live, <laughs> how are you doing? You just made me feel like an old person, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> well, you're not the only one that's had that problem before. And I'm always like, I never know what to do. So I'm like, I'll just, I'll just uh, give them directions as I'm live easier than signing off and signing back on. Um, how are you doing today? I am lovely. Thank you for asking. I'm a big fan. So I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank you. Well, where do you live? Um, Central Florida. So it's quite oh. Okay. That's nice. That's nice. It's actually really warm here in Indiana today. So I can't imagine how warm it is in Florida. Um, I think it's supposed to be nineties this week. So we're kind of flipping over to summer, like pre-summer. So I'm scoping out the area for like free splash pads and yes. I'm going to get out the sprinkler because it's, it's time. Splash pads are life in the summer with little kids, 100%. We have lots of them here, and I never thought about them before I had kids, and now I'm like, thank God we have all these. (laughs) So 
I was, I don't know if you had a chance to hear what I was saying before you um, got on, but, but essentially, you know, I just, as I have been working on my new book and just thinking about how to tell women's stories better, like, I just want to speak with women who are living at their calling, who, you know, are leaning into God and hearing what he has to say and have a story. And so you and I connected through Hope Writers. I think that's right, isn't it? I don't even remember. I've are you in Hope Writers? For a while. I was. Okay, okay. So I think it was maybe when I did my book giveaway like a year and a half ago or something like that. Yes. Yeah, and I found your podcast. <clears throat> um, so I've been listening to that on and off. And then I follow you on Instagram. So I see, I mean, whenever you find a, oh, and your emails too. Whenever you find a writer that you connect with and you don't feel like it's a, it's a big deal to stalk them. <laughs> I like those kinds of people. I'm like, yeah, if I find you and I like you and I'm, and I'm okay with seeing your voice and hearing, you know, seeing your face, hearing your voice, seeing your face everywhere. I just need those kind of people in my life to speak, speak truth. Um, so yeah, you've stuck around. So congratulations. Yeah, I know. I mean, it takes a lot for, to like stay signed up to an email list. Like you have to actually like someone and like, I think we'd be friends in real life type of thing. <laughs> I agree. Well, um, I want to hear a little bit about your story. I sort of mentioned it before you got on. Um, you um, are a mom by adoption and um, you have a pretty cool story. You are going to be a mom times two here pretty soon, which is exciting. So Tell us how you found yourself in a position to be an adoptive mom, and what is the story behind that? Um, okay, so Kevin and I got married in 2010, and I come from a really big family. So I was pretty set on becoming a mom. I didn't really know the exact time frame. I just knew that it was non-negotiable. It was kind of my calling. You know, I'm one of those boring people who say, oh, I wanted to be a mom. Me too. That's what I said. <laughs> I'm like, what? I did not dream very big when I was, you know, 12 and 15. But that's true. I just, like, that was my future. And I was, I wanted to serve God. I wanted to be in the ministry. And I wanted that cute husband, man. And then those <laughs> cute kids. So that, that really was my dream. But I was 21 when we got married. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We were both 21. My birthday is July 20. And we got married July 30. So I was just barely 21 years old <laughs> and um we went right away to seminary to dallas so mm. we were in dallas for four years um at the time we didn't know we were going to be there for four years and um a whole nother story is my husband didn't actually finish his seminary degree even though we were there for four years he had some medical problems and that was that was difficult because we didn't he didn't get the degree that he went there for so I kind of felt like my life was on hold for four years because I was working in a cubicle. I mean, mm. you just don't feel like not the dream. Yeah. You're, you're like, is this my real life? I'm in mm -hmm. a cubicle, but God used that for me to, um, really just, I was exactly in the place that he wanted me to be. I just didn't know it. So we kind of put kids on hold during that time for obvious reasons, but I was around kids all the time. I was a nanny. All my friends were, you know, thinking about getting pregnant, trying to get pregnant, juggling their kids. So I've been around kids. I've been babysitting since I was 12 years old. So it kind of was something that was just so monumental. It was um, when I found myself at 30 years old and no kids, I said, what, how did I let this happen? This is not Kim's 
life. This was not Kim's mm -hmm. dream. This was, it, it was shocking. Like I literally woke up one day and was like, how, how did I get here? How did I let this happen? And I, you know, that, that sounds like I'm blaming myself for it. Really. We were trying for kids and it wasn't happening. We were doing tests. They were expensive. So just, you know, one test at a time. And then it, I still wasn't getting pregnant and we, we hadn't really sat down and had a big conversation about what to do if we can't have mm. biological children. So um, one thing I, I don't know that everybody understands, and I didn't really like this about the infertility journey is how difficult it is to have conversations about it with mm -hmm. your husband. <laughs> I mean, oh, he's, yeah. my, he's my best friend. He's, someone I trust completely and sitting down with him and talking about, you know, our body's not working and what we're going to do about it and what God has for our family. It was very difficult. So I I avoided those conversations. I didn't have them. And maybe I feel like looking back, the reason I was 30 years old with no kids was because I, it was uncomfortable to even go down that road and face the truth. So mm -hmm. we, we had the conversation and we, um, you, I, I think you're kind of a sports person. You understand the analogy of the, the hats when the high school senior sits down and has to choose a hat, like one from each college of which college they're going to go to. Okay. Okay. And he puts it on his head and they all cheer. And like he chose like, you know, university of Michigan. Woo um, so I felt like there was a hat of foster care. Uh -huh. and a hat of adopting foster children, older foster children, and then a hat of infant adoption. And I told my husband, I don't feel comfortable doing foster care at this point in time. I desire permanence. And then I said, the foster children to adopt, I'm more leaning towards, but the infant adoption is kind of um, what I would like to do. That's kind of the dream. Mm -hmm. And God had to work on my heart because my husband wanted to adopt through foster care. Mm. And I, I was, I pushed back quite a bit. So it took a couple of months, but I, my heart did get closer to God's goal of every child having a family. Um, even though that's not how we adopted, it's still possibly in our future. And it's just a passion of his and mine to um, be involved in the foster uh, ministry, system. Yeah. 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 We just are more aware of it. And once you're aware of it, you know, you end up doing something about it eventually. Um, mm -hmm. so an infant adoption situation came to us in September of 2019 and we were not chosen, but we did, um, apply and put our hearts out there. And then after we didn't get chosen, the devastation we fought like that, that kind of just fell on us. We were like, oh my God, they didn't choose us. I thought, yeah, because you like would get your hopes up and be so excited about it. Yeah, and this was just like the first opportunity that came our way. And the fact that my husband was so devastated because it was a little boy, he was already born and he had surgery immediately and his mother, you know, gave him to the hospital. And so they were looking for a family. And we were like, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's become parents today. And <laughs> we did it. But um, that kind of shifted us in that direction. And then, then my prayers changed. It was, it was less of God, give me a family or God, if it's your will for me to have, a, you know, for me to get pregnant, 
that's fine. Whatever you want to do, it's fine. I'm, I'll just sit here and wait and keep living my life. Whatever you want to do. It was very passive. And then from then on, I felt like God told me, your children are out there. Go mm. and get your children. Mm. And I knew they were there. And at the time, I thought it was foster. So, um, so I looked on profiles and I saw little faces and I said, God, lead us to our children. Our children are out there. I asked people to pray for us to bring our children home because I knew that he had told me, well, you know, God told me mm -hmm. it, it was on my heart that he was leading me to, to act. It wasn't just about faith. It was about acting. So um, we just applied for many situations. And then February 1st, we applied for Eden and she was, um, her birth mother's name is Ashley and Ashley was due at that time in four weeks. This is and last we, year, 2020. This was, yes, this was 2020, February of 2020, um, right before the quarantine hit. So we had no idea that was even going to happen. Obviously, nobody did. Um, we applied for her. We got a text on February 5th that um, Ashley was asking what we wanted to name her. And I'm like looking at my notes, like wow. send her names thinking... What if I send her the wrong name and she doesn't choose us because she doesn't like the name? Yeah, that's that's really nerve-wracking to think that they want to know the name. And you're like, I just, I don't care. Whatever you want to name, you know, whatever looks sounds good to you, right? And that has happened before when we were applying for all these infant situations. They said, well, what are you going to name the child? And so some of them required that to be on the paperwork. You had to name a child before you So knew crazy. Anything. And sometimes they ask you to include a name in whatever name you choose. So it's, I can understand that from a, from a woman's perspective, that's one of the first things you think about. I mean, yeah, we're like 12 sense. years old playing like MASH and like knowing what we're going to name all of our, you know, four children or whatever, two boys yeah. and two girls. Yeah, no, it, it does make sense. I've never thought about that before in terms of adoption. Um, but it, it's like, yeah, you're, you're talking to a woman who obviously is, is doing this amazing thing, um, you know, by doing the best thing she can for her baby. And um, it makes sense that they would ask that question. Yeah. So we had to choose names because Kevin and I hadn't even really talked about names. We figured we'd get pregnant, then we have nine months. But then with adoption, all of a sudden it happened really fast. So we named, we found a name, we... Um, um, Eden Renee is from two separate songs that Kevin was listening to and he just felt like you know we've been through a lot of Garden of Gethsemanes and we we're ready for a Garden of Eden so there's a song about that you know um, comparing Garden of Gethsemane where the sorrow is where the trials are where the tears are versus Garden of Eden which is a more peaceful paradise place and not to say that when you have children everything is paradise but <laughs> <laughs> the, I mean you know the craziness that comes with children. Um, but just the comparison of, okay, God, we have been through it. Like we've been through many things together as a couple and you're giving us a gift. And so Eden Renee came out of that. And Renee means like renewal, um, rebirth. And that's mm -hmm. what we felt like that was for our family. But then in, in the fall on Halloween, Ashley told us she was pregnant again. So we are actually expecting our second infant adoption, her little sister in June. So um, do, how much do you keep in touch with Ashley? 
So um, open adoption comes in various different formats. I guess you kind of can choose what you want. And what how our situation happened is because we were doing all these infant adoption um, applications, we kind of saw what the standard was for the open adoption communication moving forward. So that made it really easy when we were connected with our caseworker who is connected to a lawyer. So basically we did our adoption, not through an agency, but through a lawyer. Um, the caseworker asked us to draft a contract that we would sign to say what we want the communication to be moving forward. So what we had seen was normal was one annual visit face to face. And then for the first year of the child's life, they need pictures every month. And then after that, it's just one year, um, you know, every year face to face. So that's what we agreed to. And Ashley and I um, communicate through Facebook Messenger. Um, she asked for pictures. She she said today, how's Eden? And I just sent her, you know, the last two or three pictures that are on my phone or a video. Um, or the other day she said, what are you what are you guys up to today? And I just did a quick video of us like going for a walk. And I said, we're, we're headed to the park. And just to kind of give her glimpses into our life because she has told us multiple times she she doesn't feel like she's missed a lot because we've drafted this relationship that's very um including I guess inclusive mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I just it has worked for me it doesn't make me uncomfortable I I like inviting her in um because it is her biological daughter but it is my daughter and that that adoption triad of the child the adoptive family and the birth family it's really important to have boundaries but mm -hmm. I also think it has been really um, telling of God's love um, is that Ashley's situation is such that she cannot take care of children. Um, and she knows that, but there's still some sad, you know, there's still sadness that she, yeah. knows she can't take care of her own children. Um, and we're the first adoption that she chose. This next baby will be only her second adoption. Um, and she has other children. So when she um, agreed to give us Eden, it was extremely emotional for her. But yet we were there in the hospital and, and parts of it was difficult, but parts of it was really beautiful because she was making the decision and I could see the pain on her face as she helped, you know, she would ask me, can I hold Eden? Can you take mm. some pictures? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm right here. And I got to sit on the bed with her and, like, you know, just take care of her a little bit. To me, that was really enjoyable. I don't know how it was for her. I can't speak for her. But um, there were some really tender moments. And I think that's how adoption can look. And mm -hmm. I, I felt more loved for her that's more unconditional than any love I've ever felt in my life that feels maybe more con more conditional like she I will love her you know unconditionally because God has given me that love for her because she has given me her children so it doesn't really matter what she does what her choices are other people may see that and not really give her dignity um, and I understand that she kind of lives on the fringes of society but I feel like God has given me 
so much love for her that is obviously only from him just because of her lifestyle and her, her choices. Um, I just feel grateful that God has given me the opportunity to feel that kind of love. And I, I honestly think it's the way that he feels towards his children. doesn't matter the choices that we make. It's an unconditional love that is just so expansive and covers, you know, everything covers a multitude of sins. Mm, that's so beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, you couldn't experience that. I feel like in almost any other, <clears throat> any other kind of situation. Um, so it's, it's really cool. I think how we do see God's love in so many different symbolic ways in our lives. Um, this being one of them. Um, now, you know, when you were 21 and you got married, like you never, probably never thought that this is the place that you would be in. Um, looking back now, like, what what do you think about what's happened? What might, might you have told yourself back then when things were so frustrating? Yeah, that's a good question because unfortunately, um, I thought that infertility would go away once I was an adoptive mom. Um, I don't really know what I thought. It's not like I thought that having a baby would solve all my problems because that's obviously not true. And Kevin and I both knew that. And Parenting has been very challenging. The first year has been very challenging. Um, so infertility has kind of crept up. Actually, this past week has crept up more. And I had someone tell me, you need to treat infertility as a loss. It's, mm. a, it's, a, it's a grief. It's a loss in your life. And it's going to come up. And I told her, why? I don't want it to come up. I want it to be over. I'm a mom. Why am I having to fight my feelings of infertility, my jealousy of when other people get pregnant, my hatred for an ultrasound picture? Why does that bother me so much? Why can't I just be a mom? I mean, I'm a mom. This, this doesn't make sense to me. It's not logical. And she told me, when you have the waves of grief, you need to ride the wave. And you need to let it be a few days and you need to feel it and you need to grieve and you need to cry and you need to scream or go for a run and you need to feel it and embrace the grief of your infertility for just a few days because that's probably just a heavy wave that will pass mm -hmm. and, then, and then you'll be in the calm again. And I think that this time around when this wave of grief came, I didn't handle it very well and I started to make life decisions. <laughs> Which you're not supposed to do when you're, what, hungry, angry. Yeah, tired. <laughs> grieving and for Grieving and yeah, anything. Yeah, you're totally. You're supposed to be like, hey, let's go, you know, buy a house. So I was making decisions based off of my grief um, that looking back even just this past week, I, I've learned a lot already of, okay, God, I need you to see my broken heart. I need you to see that I'm crushed in spirit right now, like today. I need you to see that. I need you to meet me here because I don't want to stay here. I need to be a, I need to be a good mama and I'm about to be a mama again. So I really need your help because I'm about to, you know, be up all night with a newborn and I don't mm -hmm. want to be fighting infertility with a one week old on my chest. So, um, looking back, I would say, um, Maybe, maybe feeling a little bit more excitement about God's plan. I, I came to the place 
pretty quickly that I didn't need to be pregnant because I had gone through a lot of health problems. And so I had already got, had some procedures and I, my body had been through a lot. And so I didn't really feel like if I don't get pregnant, I will die. It was more like, I really need to be a mom. Like I need to start the journey of motherhood now. It's been too mm -hmm. long. I've been waiting. I've been putting it off. Like we need to get this going. So the pregnancy thing wasn't a huge deal, but for me, um, just embracing adoption and not, not thinking of it as like second best. Yeah. Like, well, we yeah. have our own kids. So we chose to adopt because I've met people who say, well, I've always wanted to do to adopt. And I'm like, I didn't. My mom was extremely fertile. She had seven kids. <laughs> I didn't ever think I was going to have to have to make this decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, I, I don't know, like, I, I guess I've said that too. Oh, I've always wanted to adopt. And, um, and, uh, oh gosh, I just lost my train of thought. I had a whole comment like ready to go and I just lost. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, oh yeah, this is what it was. And I always was like, cause I've met people that, um, have struggled with infertility and are just like, have said like, well, if we don't get pregnant, then, you know, I guess we're not meant to have kids. And I was always like, what do you mean? Like, that's your answer. Like, you're not even going to try for adoption. And I never understood like why you wouldn't do that. But, um, but I think that's an interesting perspective to hear you say that. Cause yeah, a lot of people do say that they always wanted to adopt, but here you find yourself, that's never what you expected, especially coming from a big family. Um, did you have to have like, I mean, did you immediately think that that's what you were going to do? Or did you ever have any like hesitation, like you wanted to try anything else or maybe not adopt and just see what happened? You know, one thing that absolutely shocked me, and honestly, it was probably the devil. Like, I, I'm not a big believer of blaming things on the devil. But seriously, this is so not me that it was probably the devil. But I remember walking down the library. Um, I, I love books and reading. So sometimes I just was, you know, walking down the library and just seeing what I see. And I saw a book that said, baby, baby or no, maybe to baby or not baby. I don't know. Something uh -huh. like that. And so I picked it up because I had thoughts of if I can't pre get pregnant, then maybe I'm not supposed to be a mom. Maybe I'm supposed to just be, you know, in ministry or loving teenage girls or youth group or I don't know, saving the world some other way. Because sometimes as Christians, we get all like, I'm going to save the world. Well, no, just live your little life and submit, you know, surrender to God and do the little things and love who's in front of you, love who's in your path. So I thought, well, if God's not putting kids in my path, then maybe I'm not meant to make. And, and that is kind of a common belief I've, I've read and heard from other women of just, well, maybe it's not meant to be. But the problem was in this book, and you will especially not like this, in the <laughs> prologue, a woman openly talks about abortion. and Like as if it was like a good option? She said, you know, I had an abortion. And this is actually a very famous writer. And I won't say her name because I love her. And I'm so sad that she did this to me. But she, um, she had an abortion at a young age and then went on to have her son later. And she said, you know, I'm so glad I had my son. It was the right time. But that was just the prologue. The first chapter talked about a woman who didn't want kids, but a doctor wouldn't give her the procedure um, that she wanted. So she 
brought a man with her, claimed it was her husband, maybe, um, said that she had gone through sexual abuse and trauma and she doesn't want to have kids because of blah, 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 and let this man lie and just be, you know, her fake husband so that the doctor would give her the procedure. That was the first chapter. And so, so was I the point, like, that she shouldn't have had to do that? Like, the doctor should have just given her the abortion just, like, at face value? Yeah, so... I mean, the whole book was about, you know, you don't have to have a baby. Like, you – it was maybe – Oh, I see. Or, yeah. Yeah, just showing the different options of don't let society pressure you into having kids. So I read, I read, you know, the prologue in the first chapter, and I thought, I don't think I need to be reading this. No, 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 no. That's awful. <laughs> so those thoughts, though, do creep in. Like, when your body's not doing what it's supposed to do – I can't judge women for what they think or feel during infertility because you you really are at the mercy of I don't know you got to stick you got to find something to hold on to scripture and truth my um with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And I just was always constantly asking, you know, I need to trust you, help me trust you. You have a plan, but just like, I need to walk with you. So that kind of helped me um, lean into him. And he really did put people in my life that helped me um, get in the right direction. But I didn't have a lot of people telling me to adopt. Mm. In fact, people didn't talk about it. That's if weird. I brought it up, maybe, and, and I would write about it openly on my website. And so I knew people were praying for me, but they didn't necessarily, you know, take me aside at church and say, Hey, I'm praying for you. I know you're struggling with infertility. How can I pray for you? I think that people just maybe silently prayed and maybe that was enough. Um, but it's a, it's a very taboo topic. And so people don't want to hurt your feelings and they don't really yeah. want to come up to you and be like, Hey, so you can't get pregnant. And that sounds super awful. So how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Especially these days when you have all these articles that are like, what not to say to whoever, which I can't stand those articles because sometimes I'm like, sometimes they'll be like, what not to say to someone who's grieving? How are you? I'm like, <laughs> I feel like maybe we're going a little too far with this. And you've got to say something, you know? But no, yeah. I understand why people might not want to mention that. But um, <clears throat> This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group? teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. 
but um, I, I, I also um, identify with, with your concept of, of grieving infertility because, I mean, that is something that we believe that, you know, that most women innately have s fertility within them. And so to not have that, even if you do adopt, like that is a loss. That is, you know, something that's part of you that, um, that you always thought that you would have. Um, just like, I mean, this is a, a lesser example, but, you know, what, like, for example, if people really want a girl or really want a boy or something, and then they never, they never have a girl, even though they always dreamed of one, like people will say, oh, well, at least you have kids. And it's like, yeah, that's true. However, like, it is a loss that you can grieve. You can grieve the fact that you wanted and thought you would have something and you didn't. And that's okay. And there's, it's not, you know, it's not, God is not bad because he didn't give this to you. But um, you know, you have permission to have those feelings and, and go through those emotions. And if you don't, then they just like that, you know, it's like cliche to say that you have to go through them, um, to get over them. You can't just stuff them down, um, and pretend that they're not there. Otherwise you never work through those emotions and you never you're, like find the peace and healing that you need. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's such a good point. I think that's something that people can can use for a lot of different things in their lives. Like feel the feelings, let yourself have permission. Like emotions are not wrong. I mean, I think sometimes in Christianity, um, we hear, or sort of, it can be interpreted that, oh, well, feelings are bad. Like, you know, combat those with a scripture and that, you know, like you, you can renew your thoughts. And, and it's true, you can do that. However, it doesn't mean that having feelings and emotions in and of itself is a bad thing, you know, God gave us emotions. So, right. um, well, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to pivot a little bit um, and yeah. ask you, you mentioned that your husband had gone to seminary, he didn't finish, but um, you guys had been part of a church and now you're doing smaller group stuff. And, um, you know, one of my big focuses is the church and, you know, getting people back to church, reminding people that, the church that they maybe knew in the past or the faith that they grew up with doesn't have to look exactly the same way in adulthood. And there's a lot of people that are sort of reconsidering their faith journey right now after COVID. Um, I think it gave people a chance to reevaluate what's really important to them. And so as churches and society opens back up, I think people are going to be maybe giving another shot. And you talked about having this smaller group. And so I'm curious to hear what your experience has been with that because the people I've talked to who sort of have left church and are thinking about it again are really much more open to this idea of smaller communities, house churches than they are of going back to a traditional church environment. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. Um, you'll love this because we called our church like bacon, bacon church because we were, <laughs> cause you eat bacon. Yeah, we would, it was like breakfast. It was Sunday That's awesome. brunch. Um, so let me, let me back up. In July, we left our, our church. Um, Kevin was an associate pastor and a youth pastor since 2016. So we moved here in 2015. He was a teacher for a year. And then um, one of the students, he had a couple students, they were siblings, and they told their parents about him. And they said, hey, I think you'll really like this guy. You know, he just came from seminary. They just kind of, like, it's almost like the parents matched my husband and this pastor up together because, I'm sorry, the kids, because they just kind of thought, my dad and this guy might get along. So they did. And um, the pastor asked Kevin to join as the associate pastor and the youth pastor. So Kevin did that for four years. 
Um, this guy's name is Brian, and Brian and Kevin became friends, and they worked closely together for four years. They wrote curriculum together. They made a lot of decisions about the church. Um, one of the decisions they made was to become bivocational. So both of them got outside jobs as well as their pastor job, and they um, dropped their salary at the church so that the church, because their dream was to give more money to missions, um, do mission trips, reach the community. Um, our city has a lot of families and a lot of single parent families. So their dream was to just kind of create some sort of system to reach out to the community more. But unfortunately, the church um, members just, just maybe they just were unfamiliar with the bivocational model. And so it felt, it felt off to them and they had some concerns. Mm -hmm. So in July, they brought the concerns up and they were genuinely, you know, thinking of the church and it just, it just became obvious to Brian and Kevin. Okay. Well, we, we had a vision and it doesn't look like the church um, maybe thinks that that's best. And so they felt to be respectful that they would step down. So they stepped down within like a week of this conversation. So it happened really, really fast. Wow. Eden was like four months old. Wow. And it was still in COVID. So we, we didn't even have church from the time that, you know, she was born in February. We were closed March and April, just got back together, like May, June, July. Now, remember my call to ministry, you know, way back in college was to be in the church and Kevin was a pastor. Woohoo! Yeah, we're living the dream. <laughs> We're doing what God has called us to do. Now I have a little baby that everybody loves and I can kind of graft into this dream of, you know, I grew up in the church and I'm going to raise my baby in the church. And then we left. Mm. And I was like, wait a second. Another unexpected <laughs> journey <laughs> to go on. Yeah. Just, just in the middle of a pandemic. It's like, so, it's just like that, that, you know, quote, like, you know, tell, tell God your plans if you want to make him laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened. He was like, ha 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 ha. You thought you were like, so cool. Pastor's wife. Well, stay at home. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I did, I stayed at home and I, I went absolutely nuts, but me and the rest of the country. So that's not, yeah. yeah, I know. I we were all with you. <laughs> Everybody went nuts. Yeah. So we, um, we, we kind of stuck with Brian and his family. We said, okay, well, you got us into this mess, so <laughs> we're going to stick together. And we just started going to their house on Sundays. And apparently they eat bacon and eggs like every single day. Why and I wouldn't, wouldn't blame them for that. Every single day. When we met Brian, he was cooking <laughs> bacon. We were at a camping trip with this, you know, his daughter, and he was cooking bacon. When my father-in-law met bacon, met uh, Brian, was, <laughs> he was cooking bacon. Like, there's a theme here. So, yeah, we we um, we met on Sundays. I brought Eden along. She slept on the their carpeted like bedroom floor. Actually, she was on the bed for a while before she started rolling. And we watched um, church online. We watched. I'm not even kidding you. We had like every week we watched a different church for the first mm. like 20 weeks. That's kind of cool. It was because our city, I live in Claremont, Florida, and Claremont is 
like west of Orlando. So Orlando is huge, but Claremont's pretty big. Um, and it's, it's just a really great, you know, family place to live. And there's a lot of churches. And so we walked, Kevin made like a spreadsheet and he, you know, listed all of the churches that he thought would be in line with what we believed. And then we just started watching them. And then when it got, when we got through all of them, we kind of did like a second round of, okay, well, let's go back and revisit the top uh, 10. And so we did the top 10 again. And then, um, and then we narrowed it down even further. So from July to now, I'll tell you what we're doing now. Um, but back then, we just ate breakfast. Honestly, we, we talked through what happened with the church. I had a lot mm. of questions. I was like, Brian, tell me this, tell me this. And why did you, and what about this? Kevin, well, what, how did this come up? And well, when that person said that, like, what did that mean? And how do you feel about this? So they were really like candid with me and, and his wife also, you know, she had questions. The kids had questions. Um, we all just kind of hashed it out together. And I felt like that was a holy sacred place because it was a safe place to work through hard things. And there's a lot to be said about church hurts. It just mm. happens. I mean, I, I think everybody who has been in, in churches can, can tell a church hurt story. It just happens. We're all human. So it was helpful to talk things through with them because Brian and Kevin respect each other. They respect the church that they were a part of. They, they worked really, really hard at that church and they left on good terms and without bitterness and without anger. So to see them handle things so well, but also be able to explain them to me when I was maybe hurting a little bit more, a little bit more confused. Um, and for us to kind of walk through it together felt really, really beautiful. It felt like a safe place to breathe. And I'm the type of person to just rush to the next, like, let's just get things done. And to take the time and have a season of the exact opposite. I mean, I wasn't in, I love being with people. I wasn't with people. I was with one family and my family. I wasn't, you know, in a beautiful church that I have been in my whole life. You know, I've been in, grew up in the church and then in seminary, we were at a church. I've never not been in church. I was in a living room. I was putting my daughter to bed on a floor, on a bed. So it was the exact opposite of what was, what I was so accustomed to. But the experience of being able to visit all of the churches, especially in the, because of COVID, everybody had to have the technology to be able to do that. So right. it almost was good timing to be able to visit all these churches without having to physically go. Cause that would have been, I think, painful emotionally to go to visit churches. We were not. It is. Yeah. Okay. So I have season was a really unique season and we're coming to the end of it because we kind of find a church we like. So I mean, oh, that's good. Well, okay. So there's a couple things I wanted to comment on, which like, okay. So I thought it was such a great example of, I recently wrote this about Beth Moore and I mean, whatever anyone thinks about Beth Moore, what I don't care. But my point in, in saying it was that I thought she was such a great example in showing that you do not have to stay um, somewhere just because you've always been there. 
um, or you've been there for a long time and, and you are showing that same example to people because so many people, I think I mentioned this, but like so many people have always gone to the same church or the same denomination or been with the same people. And, you know, it's like if you come to a place where you're not, say, in theological agreement with your church or somebody's doing something that makes you uncomfortable or you just don't like it or you just want to try something else, um, you can do that. Like you can go somewhere else. You don't have to go where you're going or where you went. And I love um, this idea of like not rushing it like obviously you were kind of forced into that position but you can take time you can stop going to church for a little bit like I I'm not you know I want you coming back but I think people can freely take that time they need to pray to seek out something different to think about what they really want because I think this is such an important part of our Christian life um I, I like this term <clears throat> holistic faith um because and I think church and, and com church community is a big part of that holistic faith. And so it is a big, important decision where you decide to land because where you decide to land is where ultimately your church family, these people that are hopefully going to be a big part of your life are. Um, and then, and then thirdly, just, you know, watching all of those churches online, I think that's been really good for people. And I, I, I don't know where that's going to go in terms of the numbers and what people do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I love that you guys were trying out all of these different services because, um, that's again, like you said, going is a, is a whole other thing, especially <laughs> if you're someone that hasn't been going to church for a while. Like it's intimidating to go to a new church and like, mm -hmm. it's hard. You got to talk to new people. And if you have kids, like you're not sure if you want to put them in childcare and all of that. And, and one of my really good friends did this similar thing. Now, she wasn't going to church before, but she started watching services online. And it has now led to her going to church in person on a regular basis and really um, getting strong in a faith that she didn't really have before. And so I just love hearing that from you, someone that was going to church, and from her, someone that wasn't, and seeing how COVID gave this opportunity for people to really try something new for the first time. So um, that was a lot of commentary on your story, but um, it just gets me excited because I just think that God is doing something really important and really big in people's lives through COVID mm -hmm. um, in, in the realm of church specifically. So um, oh, yeah. I guess, you know, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I did want to ask, you know, what is it about that um, smaller setting, a smaller group of people that you think is beneficial? Um, honestly, I know I keep talking about bacon, but it was the, it was the breakfast. Like it was the fellowship over a meal. And, and also yeah. I wanted to say that we did switch denominations. Like, woo! I mean, I don't know. If wow. See, it can be done. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, I've been in this type of church since I was before I was born. I mean, the the denomination has been lifelong. Um, yeah, so the fact that's really that cool. Kevin and I have been able to visit all these different churches online and see what what each, I mean, what they offer, and not just not just denomination wise, but um, and not just the music. You know, it's not just like you're picking and choosing your different flavors or your different likes and dislikes. It's really been interesting to watch everything that, um, 
that church is like what is church it's almost like for the first time i've stripped church down to souls like i'm mm. a soul my husband is a soul brian and his family they are souls and we need to take care of our souls and we are meeting consistently that was a big deal to see them every sunday and be able to feel like family i mean i know their kitchen as well as i know mine like i I've been drinking from their glasses. Like, it just felt mm. really intimate that they would welcome us into their house. And then eventually my husband's like, okay, we need to quit going to their house. Like, we need to give give them something. So we invited <laughs> them to our house. And they're like, oh, this is nice. And, and Brian's like sitting back in the recliner. Like, there's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of um, baby holding. Like, that to me felt really special because there was people in my church that never even got to hold my child because of COVID. I kept her in the mm. carrier and I didn't let anybody hold her on Sundays because she was young and COVID, I mean, everyone was wearing masks. It was just not a real easy time to share the baby. So the fact that we can meet together face to face, like wearing what we want, we're really comfortable. And I, I think if you wanna do a small church setting with people you trust and you love and you can cry in front of and you can ask really hard questions or you can just you know skip the program and not even i mean i know there was at least one sunday where we didn't even watch a, a service we were like oh it's 11 30 and we're still talking that's fine um yeah that felt really like a little bit rebellious and kind of cool feeling <laughs> And then there was other times where we watched Andy Stanley, you know, in Atlanta. So, and then talking about the message afterwards was also really fun. And just focusing on relationships, I think, is what Jesus had in mind all along anyways. So church in and of itself is a beautiful thing because it brings people together. And that's what I've always loved about church. I mean, love, love, love relationships. That's my happy yeah. So when I when it was yeah. away from me, I felt that I was going to, you know, just miss out on relationships and community. But what happened was, is God just kind of brought it smaller and and helped me get to know a family that we that, you know, will be lifelong friends. And there's other people in the church that I have that connection with that when you choose to meet with them and you choose to be face to face and you choose to let them into your life that is church like that is the body of christ so mm -hmm. i am the body of christ so when i'm with someone else and we're talking about you know what we're reading and what not even just in the bible we're talking about what what books you're reading or you know what are you struggling with right now with your kids how who's driving you crazy right now that to me feels really um on point with what jesus was you know trying to get us to get us to do all the yeah time. Yeah, I just, I just love that. Um, I love when you said we were drinking out of their glasses. It's such a, it's just such a little detail that sort of really expresses it, um, you know, in a, in a minuscule point, but I, I love that. Um, well, Kim, I feel like we could definitely keep talking, but <laughs> we've been going for 50 minutes, so I'm going to cut us off. But um, Thank you for sharing your story. I think you know, I think it's so great to always be talking as much about adoption as we can. Um, you know, as you know, I'm sure like 
not a lot of people actually choose adoption over abortion. The rates of choosing abortion are a lot higher, unfortunately. And yes. I think it's good to be talking about it and to, to showcase a positive experience that shows a mom that, um, you know, it's something that can be done. It's a choice that can be made. Um, and, and, and so I'm glad that you're sharing that story and it's, and it's amazing that she has chosen you for another child that's coming into the world. Um, so many of the times, like you said, like we hear stories of women that already have kids and they are just, they can't afford it. They can't do it. And we, and, and that's like, oh my gosh, like we understand that. Like we, I can't imagine being in that position, but there are families like yours. There are so many people out there that want to adopt babies and, especially babies. I mean, we can, the foster care system is a whole other podcast conversation. And I'm, yeah, I'm very passionate about that as well. And um, also mentoring. So (laughs) don't get me started. Uh, Don't get me started on the mentoring piece that we could all be doing. Um, So Erica, how do you feel about? (laughs) Yes. Well, I am, you know, you may know I, I participate in big brothers, big sisters, because I think it's so important for us to be in the lives of, of vulnerable youth, um, mm-hmm. that is like, the, like, oh my gosh, one person mm-hmm. in someone's life can change their entire life. So um, I think everyone should be doing Big Brothers, Big Sisters, but another day. <laughs> um, but, and then secondly, thank you for sharing your church experience because I'm just so passionate about this message of trying something new, doing something different, listening to where God's leading you, and also just telling people, if you call yourself a Christian, if, 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 if Jesus is a part of your life, then you are called to a church body, whether that is three people or, you know, 1000 people, um, we are part of the body of Christ and we are all called to be a part of it. And it is not complete without every single one of us participating in that community. So, um, I'm just going to keep telling that message and, uh, keep telling people that there's a place for them. Um, so thank you so much. Let's stay in touch. And oh, will you have a book? So tell, tell people about your book real quick and where they can get that. Yeah. Okay. So I write online at um, kimpatton.com. It's Patton like the general, although I don't know if my husband's actually (laughs) related to him, but he, he pretends that he is. So I write on there and I'm um, in the tiny bits of time that I have, like during nap time, um, I just try to submit articles to magazines and, I'm a part of a book that's coming out soon about journey to motherhood, um, just different stories of women who have come to motherhood in unique ways. So that's coming soon. Um, My book that I wrote in 2018 is my memoir about um, growing up with a bunch of wild group of boys. So I had- Are you the only girl? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yep, so that's kind of- um, that's the story. It's like a coming of age story. I'm just talking about growing up as a Christian with strict parents that were really loving, but also, um, yeah, just going through struggles. Everybody has struggles. I don't think that, you know, every, I like to say that everybody has to go to therapy when, after they leave the house, like we all need therapy. My kids are going to need therapy one day. So that's just a part of life. Like, you know, you're going to have wounds and you're going to have traumas big or small. Um, So writing this book was just a way of working through those things of like, how did I grow up and how did it shape me, you know, to be the person that I am. Um, I talk about our trip to Brazil. My dad was a medical missionary for just a short time. He's a doctor, but he, we went to Brazil and lived there for six months. So there's stories in there about that. 
and my brothers and getting married at 21 is where it pretty much ends. So yeah, so check me out, jamiekimpatton.com. And mainly my Instagram is filled with pictures of Eden and videos. (laughs) So if you don't Welcome to motherhood. (laughs) Yes, it's Kim Patton 730 um, if you want to follow Eden on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, Kim, well, thank you so much. And um, this will be up on the podcast audio this week or as soon as I can get it going because it does take time to upload and all of that stuff. But No um, worries. But I'm excited to get it up there. And thank you so much, everyone, for watching. And I think I have another interview coming up Wednesday. So um, okay. watch your IG live nice for that. All right. You, thank you. Nice that. to meet you. Bye. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.